This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt. We'll be looking back at Wrexham's Easter weekend bonanza. We finished it with a thrashing of Altrincham at the Kairas. We've got two away games on the horizon. Nathan will be at both of them. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Actually, I was just reading. <laughs> you you were giving me a tear. I couldn't read fast enough. I was just reading about these fourteen thousand tickets that have already been sold for the FA Trophy final, which we'll get on to later. But yeah, I'm good. Uh, surprisingly excited to be going to Weymouth and or well, Woking first on the TV, and then Weymouth. Yeah, uh, Woking I've done before. Uh, that's probably the coldest place I've ever been. Between that and Kidderminster, are up there in terms of the coldest place I've ever been to watch Wrexham play. Woking, I feel like I lost all sense in my hands, um, which I'm fine now, all good, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Rich, I, I feel like I missed a cracker, Alteringham. I feel like it seemed... Uh, it's funny because if you looked at um, if you looked at our WhatsApp communications and messages before games, we're, the secret out of the bag, we're incredibly pessimistic, and then it gets to the actual match, and we cruised it against Alteringham, surprisingly so. Yeah, it was a... Peculiar day, wasn't it? Because again, it was another performance which was really encouraging from our point of view. It was a weird one because we scored so many goals so quickly that the second half was such a non-event. It's credit to the side that we're able to do that in home games now. And then, of course, Stockport scored late on, didn't they? And that killed the mood a little bit at the end in terms of it was a reality check. The dreams of a title, which were slim anyway, are even slimmer now. And I think it's very much looking like we are just going to have to consolidate second place. But yeah, we've got that cushion now. We are six points ahead of fourth place and we've got that game in hand that you mentioned, Weymouth. So by the time that's done, Wrexham really could be sort of shoo-ins for the top two uh, playoff positions, which, like we said, would mean a home playoff game against the winners of the, the first eliminator. And then, yeah, you're only 90 minutes away from Wembley from, from when you kick <sighs> off. But in terms of the Altrincham game itself, yeah, it was just brilliant. Wrexham just a class above. Alty, who had a lot of time off, they had that draw with Halifax on the Good Friday as well. And yeah, it was a Good Friday and even better Monday for Wrexham. It was just us at our scintillating best. We didn't have to get out of second gear, really. We scored so early on through Jordan Davis and then Mullen did what Mullen does and Palmer's finish was excellent as well. And yeah, like I said, it became a, bit of a non, became a bit of a non-event, but that's credit to the club and to the side that they've done that. And we were saying that the first half of the season, home games all felt exactly the same. They were so monotonous and it was down to Paul Mullen to score a wonder goal or you wouldn't get anything from the games. And most of them were sort of binary code, weren't they? It was either one nil, one all or nil one. And it was just excellent to see us so confident in front of goal again. And yet again, it was just turning a game which, you know, could have been a bit tricky into an absolute non-event. So credit to Parky and the lads for doing that. 
an unbelievable stat actually by Mark Griffiths, aka Wrexham uh, Anorak, that it's the first time 19 consecutive Wrexham home league games have had attendances above and beyond 7,500, pardon me, for the first time since May 1979. So long before me and you were following the town, Rich, it's unbelievable the crowd, wasn't it? The biggest league attendance for Wrexham since May 2007. Obviously, that game was against Boston at home where we had 12,374. But it is amazing, isn't it, just to be around the club at the minute. And I was there, like I say, we recorded after that one, the Solly Hall game. It's just uh, the, the town itself before match days, whether you're in Fatboro or, or any anywhere else in the town, it's just a a place to be on a Saturday, which for, for some years it, it was kind of 3,000 begrudgingly heading there. Yeah, it's just an absolute party atmosphere, a real carnival and 10,000 fans there on Monday. Absolutely incredible. It's just great to see. It's so exciting. And again, we talk about the legacy of what Robin Ryan will leave and it's a whole new generation and a whole new demographic of untapped potential and people who want to go and watch their local football team. And, you know, the mission statement was for Wrexham to become the team of North Wales again because we might be the only professional team in, in North Wales but the problem is uh, that so many fans were sort of disenchanted and, and wanted to go watch Premier League sides or Football League sides in the Northwest instead. Or, you know, others maybe fell more in love with the Welsh leagues as well, which is understandable. And I still wholeheartedly back that. But we just need to be the team in North Wales. We've got such a big catchment area and it's just fantastic to see. And again, in terms of the demographic, so many sort of young fans there, so many families there. It's a really good sort of demographic coming to these matches. And another thing I noticed was I went to the Plaskorch on Monday before the match and Oof. all the kids there were just wearing Wrexham shirts. Not PSG tops, not Liverpool tops, not United shirts. Wrexham shirts. These are their heroes. These are the players they they want to be when they grow up. And it's just so good to see and so good to have that excitement and that and incredible pride in the in the town and, and, and the football club again and you know it's showing on the pitch and as long as we're winning that's obviously going to be quite easy to maintain and I guess the real challenge is managing to do so no matter what happens at the end of the mm. season but I've said it before on the podcast Nathan we all want to be in the football league and we all want to see Wrexham playing at the highest level possible against the greatest teams possible as well but ultimately we go to the football and we want to have pride in what we see on the pitch and we want to enjoy it. And to be honest, I don't care what league we're in as long as we've got a mass mm. if we've got massive crowds, we're playing great football and I I have a connection and a real love for the team and what they're doing on the pitch. And that's what I've seen in the last few weeks, last few months. And Monday was another celebration of that. Yeah, it's it's been an unbelievable season, hasn't it? You know, so many great moments and memories and and while it's well, we'll do a podcast, I'm sure, on it, Rich, when it comes to it, the kind of a goal of the season breakdown. There's so many great goals, great moments that we've had, and yeah, you you wouldn't trade this season in for for anything. I don't think it, whatever, regardless of what happens now, I I still I'm still pretty confident we can do it. We can go all the way and and get promoted. Um, but I was I was thinking before the podcast of you know what did I want to discuss this week, and while there aren't many superlatives left for him, a word on Paul Mullen, Rich. It, Scored the most league goals for Wrexham in a single season since Andy Morell, 0-2-0-3. Obviously, we get promoted that year, so it's a good omen. Uh, and he's equaled Juan Ugarte, one, I think my all-time favourite Wrexham player, Juan Ugarte. Equaled his record of 26 goals in all competitions back in 2004-05. He's, he, he's right there, isn't he, with Kabongo Shimanga's uh, golden boot. And I, I know he, he probably isn't too concerned with, with that, but look, he's, he's, what, two behind now? Games against winnable games against Woking, Weymouth, and and there are other winnable games to come. He's got the potential here to 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 win the league or to to win the league to get Wrexham promoted and and win the Golden Boot at the same time. Yeah, and you mentioned favorite Wrexham players, and it really is coming to a point now where Paul Mullen might be my favorite ever Wrexham player. Like, really, if he can do it for another season, you know, he just gets it. And there's a real mm. connection between him and the supporters, which is so crucial because. Like I said again on my earlier point, you just want to be able to have a connection and to like the team. And I absolutely love Paul Mullen. I love what he represents. I love how much it means to him. I love how much he cares. And another mm. thing there that you mentioned, yes, people will try and 
almost downplay him if he gets the golden boot because I say, well, he's a football league striker. What's he doing here anyway? And, oh, he's beaten someone who's been out injured for a long period of time. But this is Paul Mullen who has missed, what is it, nearly 10 games through suspension and then he's had an injury on top of it and he's still scoring these goals for fun and he's still having to do so without any surface as well. You know, he's had sort of the the first half of the season, it was a one-man show up front. There wasn't support. There wasn't a system which really got the best out of him. And if him and Oli Palmer had been together since the start of the season, injury-free, suspension-free, Mullen could have been looking at a 40-goal season, genuinely. And that's what fills me with so much excitement heading into next year, again, regardless of whatever division we're in. We've already got the best strike force in League 2, even the leading strike force in League 1. So, yeah, I'm just loving it. And Paul Mullen, I'm, like, there's been so much debate about player of the season, we've got to do that in the coming weeks and we want to hear your suggestions on that as well we're going to get some of our old guests to hopefully tell us who their player this season is as well but when I think about the season for me it's got to be the Paul Mullen show and sometimes you take for granted just how good he is and how much of an improvement he is on anything we've had at this level and yeah I'm just loving it and that win against Ultragun was the real sort of cherry on the icing on the cake it was just another confirmation of how brilliant this side is yeah, his second one's ridiculously good, isn't it? Uh, Palmer's goal's brilliant as well, and I very much enjoyed the Cubs' TikTok account putting out that that stitch with uh, Rhea Ferdinand's reaction, um, which was, yeah, I'm sure Palmer... I saw Palmer reposted that, even very much enjoyed that. Actually, funny about Mullen, it's just the... You know, you're talking about favourite-ever players and all that sort of thing, which younger fans... is There's a young lad who, who sits next to my parents called Jack, and he's great, and he's, he's got a signed shirt with, you know, all the players. And the only one he's missing is Paul Mullin. And a few times he's gone out to, you know, got raced out to try and catch him before he gets there, but he's already arrived or tries to catch him on the way out, but he might have already gone. And so I'm really hoping that in one sense that he, I know Paul would no doubt be more than happy to sign it for him and, and he'll have that shirt. But it's it's great to see so many youngsters that will, yeah, when they grow up, this will be the, this will be to them what maybe Carl Connolly... Gary Bennett, you know, Lee Trondard, others, you know what I mean? Mm. Carlos, you know, all these great players. For me, Juan Ugarte or Darren Ferguson or for others, it's, you know, if they're a bit younger, Louis Malt or you go back you go back further and further, you know, um, Phil Hardy and Wayne Phillips we had on the podcast and loads of others. But it's great that this new Wrexham fan is, is coming into a time where it's not all doom and gloom. There's so much to be optimistic about, you know, whether it's this season, next season, if we go up, uh, you know, Ollie Palmer and Paul Moore together look like we said, didn't we, last week about the carpools that they're always there and they, they drive in and out together. And and uh, did, did you see that? I don't know if I sent it to you, Rich. Did you see that uh, picture of Ollie Palmer at Pantarock and uh, playing playing football with some of the kids? In the sort of in the beer garden, he yeah, was, I did. Uh, it was straight I did. after the game. So it's straight after the game. So he, uh, you know, he wasn't messing around in terms of he just they just love it, and um, it was nice as well to see. I know they kept it somewhat under wraps, but it was nice to see all the players go out for dinner in Tlangothlan recently. Um, all the players and the families went out together, and I know speaking to a couple of those that yeah, it was a really nice night, and you just you just got that togetherness in the squad, that real friendliness, which I know you know isn't isn't vital you don't necessarily need it to win but it's great when you do when you've got all the players singing off the same hymn sheet and their families are all getting on and it's just a great cheery atmosphere that can only be a good thing heading into what is a really crucial couple of weeks that that could end with a promotion and a, and a trophy win yeah absolutely and sport for choice as well in terms of role models and players to idolize in this Wrexham side so there's just so much reason to be positive and again that's me not trying to almost do damage limitations because I've said it before <laughs> countless times. I said it on social media. I want us to get promoted. I want us to be successful and to win trophies and to go as high up the leagues as possible. But ultimately, I'm just so happy right now and enjoy watching this team so much. And at times in the National League, it has felt a bit like a chore when you've been there on a Tuesday night and it's only been 3,000, 3,500 and the team look a bit disenchanted. The season's got nothing riding on it. But you were there because you loved it. And now just feels like such a nice reward for all those people who have been there for years, put their money into the club at times of desperate need. Those who've saved the club, 
we can just enjoy it now and there's just so much positivity and that's why I just don't want it to be too much of a negative space of course there's always going to be moments where we have to hold the club to account and they've done sure. plenty of things wrong off the pitch this season and at times the football's been pretty ugly but now that it's good you've got to ride that wave and yeah I'm just loving it and I'm I'm jealous I'm not at Woking and Weymouth in the next two games which you will be Nath. <laughs> It's a, it's a weird sentence to say that, isn't it? That you're not you're you're what you are jealous that you're not at Weymouth on a Tuesday night. Uh, which you know, look, it'll be it will be there. I'll be putting plenty of stuff on Twitter at Rob Ryan Red. Um, thanks again for all the support on there. I think we've, I don't know, we keep resetting the target, don't we, Richard? What we what we like to to grow that too, but it, it's growing at a really good rate, and we we love sort of having all the fans and, and, and speaking to all the different fans. I, I thought what we would do, Rich, is maybe go through some of the emails, robryanred at gmail.com, because last few weeks, for whatever reason, it, it's been a bit hectic, and either I've forgotten about it with all the interviews I did when you were away, or or it's just it's just slipped down the pecking order. So we got one, actually, from a Kaylee Pierce, who uh, said, hello, wishing the team good luck. Uh, sad I can't be there, but I'll be cheering from here in Idaho. Uh that's from Kaylee. So there you go, the Worldwide Reds. And Terry uh, from Australia put, hey, guys, love listening to you down here in Western Australia. Um, will the FA Trophy final be live streamed? And the player final, if it comes to that, will that be live streamed? It's That's a question I don't know, Terry, to be honest. Usually I would expect both of those to be on TV. The player um, final would be on TV. The that, issue that will be the, on TV. The issue of the FA Trophy is that I believe BT still have the rights for it because the final day of the Premier League kicks off at 4pm, so 15 minutes before the FA Trophy final, I just can't see it being televised as such because BT mm. Sport will get at least two games, I believe, for the Premier League final day. Sky will basically have City and Liverpool going head-to-head. And then I'm guessing BT will have, if there's some sort of relegation jeopardy or a fight for top four or the Arsenal-Tottenham games. So, you know, BT might put on that BT Sport ESPN channel, but... I, I think there probably is a, a remit for it to be live-streamed. If Certainly, if it's not being televised, then definitely it's something the clubs will want to explore. But I think the focus now is, from both clubs, just to get as many people in at Wembley as they can. You can understand why that's the club's priority at this moment in time, but certainly one for, for us to investigate in the weeks ahead as well. Here's another one. This is really nice, actually. We got a, a an email back in January, Rich. Uh, I'm going to forgive your memory if you don't remember it. But we got one from uh, Nigel, who was going through a really tricky time with treatment and was not in 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 a great way. But he's emailed us and put he's put update uh, the title. Wrexham is my medicine. So, but hi lads, uh, emailed you back in January to let you know the podcast was helping me through treatment, which very nice to hear. Hope you're on the men, Nigel. Great to hear. And he put, since then, I've been to every home game, uh, mostly against my wife and doctor's judgment. Big shout out to dis, uh, Kerry, the dis, uh, disability officer, who sorted out parking, etc. for me. Uh, I've still managed to sit in the upper tech end. I have to say that whatever happens this season has been great medicine for me, better than my treatment, uh, but with far more side effects. Uh, I'm starting a campaign to get Wrexham games on prescription. I don't know if that would be super healthy. be bad for the heart rate, I think, but it'd be very enjoyable. It'd be a, it'd be a thrill. He put, long may this continue, This good factor continue. Halfway through my treatment currently and have told my consultant uh, my next phase of treatment needs to fit around the FA Trophy final and the playoffs if we need it. Keep up the great work, uh, bringing your views and interviews. Uh, that's a really nice email, that one. Um, Nigel, thanks for getting in touch. If you do want to get in touch with us, uh, robryanred at gmail.com. That was a really nice one, isn't it, Rich? That, um Oh, here we go. Here's one I promised somebody I would read. So there you go. This You can tell that I'm not the slick podcaster that I think I am. But here's one we got quite a while ago, Rich, uh, back in March. But it, it was actually really interesting. And we discussed it off air one time. One? Yeah, yeah. From Mike Parsons. He put his book. I listened to the last few podcasts on my weekend walks with great interest. And we've spoken a lot, haven't we, Rich, about Ollie Palmer, the impact he's had. And I think Mike sums it up here, actually, in, in a really good way. But the issue of the midfield being effective... Um, and I think it's the influence of Palmer that he occupies centre-backs. They then can't push up into the midfield and he holds the ball up more um, than Ponticelli, Kwame and, and Mullen were able to do is that they play mainly in the channels. Midfield are now able to catch up with the forwards, keep their shape, and that's where the threat is coming from. Um, also where the stability and gaps have gone in the middle of the park as Palmer is helping to keep it balanced. Goes on and on to talk about examples of Palmer um you know, and you look back at the years we've had Billy Ashcroft, Dixon McNeil, Danny Wright, 
all successful orthodox number nines who are a handful and can keep the ball for the rest of the team to join in. Uh, they were all they were all good footballers, um, and I'm sure that Parky was just missing that target man. I thought that was a really interesting one about how Palmer. It's inescapable, isn't it, that he has been the difference maker. I mean, what's he got now? Eleven goals in the, since the end of. I mean, during the end of January, so eleven yeah. goals since then. And again, he also had to play those games when Mullen was suspended, and you know yeah. that was a really thankful, thankless task up front. And yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's just done so much for this club and I think that was such an important point there that the reason why we've got so much better is mainly because Oli Palmer was the missing piece of the jigsaw and he's offered so much so much more for us he makes Mullen better he like he said offers a an out ball for the centre backs as well and he alleviates the the pressures on the midfield as well of having to break the lines with sort of pinpoint accurate passes as well and a really good point about occupying the centre backs that's been really evident and I think another key aspect is James Jones and Luke Young have both come on leaps and bounds Massively. since Palmer's joined as well. So I, I think his factor has just been crucial. And there is almost a debate to say Palmer's been signing of the season, if you even include last summer, which is really odd to say because he's made what we already had better, hasn't he? And he's that missing piece of the jigsaw. But yeah, excellent, excellent. And someone who... I've, who made me eat humble pie, really, because I thought that Holly <laughs> yeah. Palmer was just a big lanky number nine who didn't really offer much and we could have got someone much cheaper who did a similar job. But he's got that turn of pace. He's so intelligent with what he does. He's very streetwise. He holds the ball up really well. And he's really good with his feet as well. And yeah, brilliant, brilliant player and someone who has really proven me and I think many Wrexham fans wrong as well. Yeah, I mean, also, interestingly, Rich, he came through Woking's Academy. So he came through their youth setup. So a familiar stomping ground this weekend in front of the so BT Sports cameras. Does that mean he's going to to celebrate when he bags his oh, hat-trick? <laughs> if, if, surely not. I mean, where do we draw the line with these things? I, if it was me... I think if you're a non-league a, player, you just you have I to would, give it the big one you, against your former team. W- I mean, he scored you, against Grimsby not? on this debut for us, didn't he? Like, would you not Would you not give it the big one at any level? I would absolutely go... Yeah, that's I, true. I would go full Adi Bayor, to be honest. I would go full race the length of the pitch and try and irritate as many people as I could, to be honest. That would just be me. I'd probably be getting yellows and reds left, right and centre, but... I'm not big on this whole not celebrate. There's no, no way he doesn't to be celebrate honest, against you, King. In a perverse way, I do quite like it when someone... You know when we concede at the Kairas and then one of their strikers gives it the big one and tries to shush the tech end <laughs> and try and act like the big man and then we just go and score in the 98th minute and have the last laugh anyway. But yeah, like you said, if you're if you're a footballer, I suppose at any level, you just, you just want to see people enjoying their goals because that's literally celebrate what their goals. job is and there's going to be a time where you're not scoring goals anymore. So, yeah, you've got to salvage them. You've got to make it sweet. But I don't think there's any um, any possibility of Oli Palmer being Surely super not. respectful to her. To well, look, weekend. Woking, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. It's another game on TV. So for those not going, there are still away tickets available. And I actually grabbed a chat with uh, Woking's chief executive, Rich, John Katz, really nice guy, who has been involved with Woking for a good number of years now. And... Yeah, before I sort of play play my chat with him, he, he explains that, look, there is the possibility that there could be tickets on the gate. Um, but yeah, try and get them in advance if you can. If you do want to go, we'll try and retweet on at Rob Ryan Red any kind of people who are selling them um, who now can't go or if you want them. So, look, I'm excited. It's in front of the TV, 5.20 kickoff. John, who has tweeted out a variety of memes involving Deadpool uh, and Mac from Always Sunny, uh, is also quite excited of North from North America. Um, you know, used to be involved in baseball. Is a really nice bloke and is is keen for Woking to stop acting in his words like little old Woking. So, without further ado, I'm going to play you my chat that I had this week with John Katz, chief executive of Woking. John, uh, thanks so much for coming on then to the podcast. It's a big game at the weekend on the TV. I'll be there. I know lots of people will be watching uh, around the world, loads of Wrexham fans and Woking fans, especially in the States. How's it going? How is Woking season going? We had, we had a chat before we came on about Darren Sars already done us once uh, when Yeovil beat us, uh, Liam McElhinney gets the red card, Yeovil beat us in November. Uh, I'm sure he'll be, I'm sure all the players are looking forward to it. It's a big game. Yeah, it is, and and I think most of most of the the Woking support, our players, 
um, will feel a bit hard done by our match in September. Um, it might be a little salty about a uh, Stonewall pen that wasn't given late. Um, but yeah, no, look, it, it's, it's one we've been looking forward to. Um, you know, there's beyond just, you know, being, being the clubs that we are, you know, the, uh, the commingling of the, the North American ownership, uh, or, or for us, really, it's more about a majority shareholding, but you know, the, those, those little nuances about kind of the Rex and Woking thing aren't lost on me. Um, you know, I started in, in, in my former life, I worked in uh, American baseball and towards the very end of my, uh, my time with the, with the team in Columbia, South Carolina, we had a, um, we had a visiting team from Myrtle Beach come in and they had a player named Ryan Reynolds. So my video staff, every time he would come up to bat and they would put a giant picture of him, it would be Ryan Reynolds from a different movie. Uh, so we've actually had a little fun, um, I actually tweeted him out myself, uh, just to see if, if Ryan, he actually picked up one of the ones, um, from the baseball game. And, uh, so we got some fun stuff and we, we had a little fun with Rob too. So you know, again, I'm not sure if their, if their plans are to be here, but you know, it also, would, uh, I'll, I'll challenge both of them to uh dizzy penalties at, at halftime if they do. Yeah, it would be great if they do. I'm sure they'll be doing their TikTok commentary, which has uh, gone viral and very popular of all the games. Uh, talk to me a bit then about, look, the National League, there's a lot of money flying around the National League. Wrexham are definitely at the top end of that scale now, spending, you know, large sums of money, broke our transfer record to get Oli Palmer. What's it like then in terms of trying to be a club that is looking to compete? It feels like there's, there is a, a gap forming in terms of the, the ability to spend at this level now yeah it, there is but there's also on the flip side of that there's there's the hope of 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 the suttons you know sutton competed on a budget and got promoted earned promotion is now doing quite well in league two um on a very comparable budget to ours so is it helpful for us long term is it helpful for the um you know the the i guess 22 non former football league clubs, um, does it, does it give us hope? Then yes. But, you know, from a, from a competitive nature and, and trying to be able to, you know, I look at, you know, Ollie Palmer was an Academy product of Wilkie. Um, so, you know, it'd be a nice homecoming for him. Of course, I, I don't know if Jake Hyde is, is back fit or if he's traveling, but homecoming of sorts for Heidi, if he does. Um, but for us really look, you know, we want you out of the league. We want we want Stockport out of the league. You know, all these clubs that are spending you know the types of money we we wouldn't dream of being able to spend. Um, for us right now, we're trying to do it the right way. We're trying to um, you know match our our footballing ambition to our business ambition. Um, and there's a steeper curve than we would have anticipated on the front end. But you know, again, I, I've spent thirty years thirty years in sport. Um, I like to think I'm fairly clever. Um, so at some point, we'll we'll get that balance just right. You pointed to that first game. Uh, we, we're going to claim a foul in the build-up to this Stonewall penalty. That's what we're, we're, we're telling ourselves, that there was a foul in the build-up to that, so that we're, we're getting away with that. I, I think it, it did look like it was a Stonewall penalty for you right at the end, but we're going to gloss over that. We got through with a 1-0 win. What's, what's been the impression outside of the Wrexham bubble that myself and others are in? What's been the, the kind of, what have you made of the takeover and, and how and how the season's progressed, the players they've gone and bought? It, you know, do you think it is inevitable that promotion is coming for Wrexham? I mean, we've, Wrexham have been at this level for 14 years now, so it doesn't feel there's an inevitability from our side, but it must feel like for a lot of people that we're, we're close. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the, the Ollie Palmer is just kind of the, you know, he'll be on more than, 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 you know, I'm not sure what Darren will run uh, from a formation standpoint this week. But, you know, if, we, if, if we're running a 4-3-3, three, three, um, you know, he's on, Ollie Palmer's on more than our front three. Um, so we're, we're, it's, it's, it's not a case of, you know, us not having the best players we can because our recruitment um, was, was pretty good last year. It's, it's, it's looking um, sensational going into next season. But at the end of the day, it's it's 11, 11 men on each side playing football. Um, you know, you would have said that early in the season when we went up and 
you know, took it to Knott's County and, you know, we, we, we beat them uh, four to one on the road. We beat Torquay four nil on the road. Um, you know, and, and this is, you know, the, the complex in, in, in Woking has always been little old Woking, but we've proven with the results. I mean, you said that, that Darren was the only one to do you guys at home um, this year. You know, we were the first to do Forum Wood at home. Um, and Darren's at his first game in charge. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, again, we, we, we'd like to do the double. Um, there's belief in our team that we can do the double. But again, it's it's eleven on eleven, and and you know manager versus manager, and you know may the better team win, and that better team doesn't have to be the more expensive one. You know, Alan was obviously in charge, Alan Dawson, and then you you elected to part part ways middle of the season. You've got Darren in. What's he been like in terms of what's he given you around the place? What's he given to that to that group to give you such belief that that you can go on and really kick on next season? You know, a lot of it really started, um, you know, when, when Ian Dyer became our caretaker manager. Um, first thing Ian did was change the shape. Um, you know, in his six matches in charge, and he jokes that he should have resigned after the fifth. Um, but it, in his six matches in charge, you know, we had four clean sheets on, on, the, on the spin, um, three consecutive wins. Um, and that in and of itself gave the guys some belief. Um, then you, you've got a new guy coming in who, who fits the model of what the club wants, you know, aggressive front footed football, um, taking it to us three times, but you did the double over us in the league and in the, um, I think it was in the trophy. You know, I mean, he's a guy who is very good at understanding strengths and weaknesses. Um, so Darren brings that to the table, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to sit in and, you know, invited me to sit in to the, um, to our, our pre-match meeting on Monday and, um, just the, the rate of information that we were going through in the team talk that, that he had, I mean, it's nothing like, you know, it's certainly not like you know, going into a college American football locker room and getting a, one of those 30 minute speeches, but. I think Darren can get across in two minutes what many can get across in 20. Um, he's very direct. He's very to the point. Um, you know, he spent the morning in the hotel lobby just pulling players over and showing him different things. Uh, so I'm really impressed. You know, my, the, the early returns um, are really impressive. And, of course, you know, we'll have Darren. Um, you know, he's under contract through the next two seasons after this one. So we're, we're big believers in him. In in the first game, I thought I'm stating the obvious here because he, he he's gone on and, and kicked on higher. But Tavon Campbell was a player that had a lot of eyes on him. I know you know lots of clubs in the National League were looking at him, and I think he's still right up there in the scoring charts, even though he left uh, you know a good few months ago. Is he just a further proof for you that that you've because you're bringing through these rate of players, you're rattling off you know Ollie Palmer, Jake Hyde, who's still injured for us unfortunately, but has fond memories at Woking. You know, you're able to produce these players, and it must be great to see them kick on through, through the it, leagues. It is, and you know, there's a, there's a this club has been, you know, in the early '90s, we were one of one of, if not the biggest non-league clubs. Um, everybody wanted to come play here, and then you know, you get to the get to the 21st century, and funds are a bit tighter. More teams are going full time. Uh, you've got more big clubs from the football league dropping in. And then all of a sudden it gets a bit more expensive to retain players. Um, and, you know, we've, we've always kind of operated on a, on a, on a part-time budget. Um, this is our first season going back full time. So it's not just, you know, you think about, you know, the wage bill, which has gone up almost double from last year, but now we're at a, uh, we're, we're training four days a week. We're feeding our players um, high quality food four days a week. Um, our travel routines, even, even since Darren has gotten here, our travel routines have changed. Our nutritional programs have changed. Um, and understanding that, which is why I'm so glad we were able to get Darren in six weeks before the end of the season, you know, obviously number one was from, from the playing standpoint so that he could understand who the players are, what we had, um, 
you know, see if a different system would get more out of them. Um, and you can see, I mean, you know, my, one of my favorite examples was you look at the season Josh Casey has had, um, or the back half of the season that Josh Casey has had when he's played as a left back, which is a natural position. He's been, he, he's been incredible. Um, but that's where he played, you know, and he's been playing, you know, he had been playing in the midfield or he might be a you know, left-sided center half. Um, but you know, that's it, his position. He does his best when he is out, you know, out left back. And you can see just that renewed enthusiasm. Um, so it's just really exciting. It's been really exciting over the last, you know, month and a half. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to the game at the weekend. I think Woking is the place where I was the coldest I've ever been at a match a few years ago. I can't remember, one one cold December afternoon. But it should be a good travel and support. What kind of game are you expecting? What kind of crowd do you think? I mean, a ticket still don't sell. Do you think it'll be a bumper crowd? I mean, are we trying to push as many away fans to go as we can? Yeah, no, the, the away, away tickets have been moving very well. Um, home tickets as well. Um, you know, so we are expecting a good crowd here. Do I think it'll be, um, you know, we have phenomenal crowds and we always do for Aldershot. They're right down the road. Mm. Um, Grimsby was another big one where they took full allotment, um, in the away end. But, you know, what I'm expecting is two teams, um, really that have one goal is to walk away with a result. And again, while it, it, from a, a promotion or playoff standpoint, it may not, mean the same thing to us as it does to you but understanding that you know this new mindset that we have we're not afraid to play anybody um and we're not afraid to go toe-to-toe nose to nose with anybody and that doesn't matter who you have out on that field 11 players that, that we put out on that field to match um but again it's like anything else you know you know, the way phil or, or or darren you know chooses to chooses to go out there right? once they get once they get inside those white lines it's 11 men against 11 men and that's what i'm excited to see i'm very excited i'm very excited for it and and, and just on a, on a more somber because you know there'll be a lot of Wrexham fans there and it'd be great if they can support as we, we said before you know long side lifetime working fan on the website says number one fan uh, andy turner sadly passed away um, a few yeah. days ago, it's really, really sad, and you know our condolences, and I'm sure the club would echo that, and every fan would echo that. What, what, what can the away fans do just to be part of maybe anything? You know, is, is there a minutes of applause or any sort of tributes you're looking at to to just kind of honour you know long term fans? We've had a lot of great fans that, that have away clubs have really honoured at our games, so it'd be good to return the favour definitely. Yeah, no, I mean losing Andy, I mean it. it I've only been around the club for a couple of years. Um, Andy was one of those that if he wasn't, if he wasn't here or he wasn't following us away, he would just go to a match. Um, I think a staggering number. I think he's been to 999 grounds. There was plans for him right before he passed away. Um, I think he was to go to Brentford, um, but he couldn't, he just wasn't up to it, which would have been number a thousand. Um, you know, huge passion for the, for the game. Um, great heart was our club secretary, was our club COVID op- officer in very difficult circumstances, you know, over the last, last year or two. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge hole, um, in our hearts without having Andy with us. Um, and Andy would have been looking forward to this one. Um, so yeah, there'll be, there'll be three different things, um, before kickoff, you know, and again, it, it's, I don't know, I, I, part of me thinks, you know, Andy was, Andy was one of those guys that would never want a big deal made about him. Um, the timing, you know, just with, you know, we've got, we've got the team at TV match and, and, you know, what, what could be the coolest match of the season where we'll have a chance uh, pre-match to um, give him a minute's applause um, on 30, uh, on the, on the on 30 minutes, we are asking all fans home and away to join us in a rendition of "There's Only One Andy Turner." Um, and then again in the 60th, um, while play is ongoing, just a minute uh, minutes of applause. So if, if, if the good people of Wrexham would would participate, that it would mean a lot to 
mean a lot to me. It would mean a lot to the football club. And it would mean a lot to uh, Andy's family who will be in attendance on Saturday as well. And there's certain things, this definitely falls into that category that go way beyond the match and the result. And, you know, every club has amazing servants, which Andy sounds like he was at, at Woking. Did you know, one of those people that does everything, everybody knows them. Nobody has a bad word to say about them. So look, I will definitely be there uh, in the 30th minute, in the 60th minute, uh, showing my support. I really hope that everyone who listens to this and who goes, does. Uh, finally then, John, just to round us up, because I know you're a busy man. What's it been like then? You've been involved for a couple of years now. You're talking about you've got your own North American um, ownership, maybe not in Hollywood movies, but you've got your own uh, North American ownership. What's it been like, what's it been like in terms of, you know, we're definitely, I, I can tell that our chairman are definitely learning as they go along the life in the National League. And, you know, their first game was away at Maidenhead. That's a pretty good uh, welcome to the National League manual. So how have you found it just in terms of helping run a club? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I spent better part of three or four years soaking up the culture. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, again, we had talked whether there's culture or whether it's just the thing, you know, to go to, to Premier League, uh, Premier League matches. And I actually preferred away matches to home matches because the environment's just so much more exciting. Um, I was, traveled at a, a good maid who actually ultimately introduced me to this club who's the commercial director at uh afc wimbledon so you want to talk about you know coldest you've ever been try fleetwood in january um in the third round of the fa cup uh, done that um but you know it's it's for me it's you know i look at i look at all of the the different aspects uh that make this business <clears throat> so much different than baseball, you know, obviously, you know, baseball is a very casual social sport. Um, there are stops and starts between every pitch. People will get up and, and roam around the stadium and they'll pick up a beer or they'll pick up a hot dog and go back to their seats. And other than the obvious, you know, in the national league and above, we can't have people bring beer back to their seat. It's 45 minutes plus stoppage time. 15 minutes where people can go either use the toilet or to grab a beer, then 45 minutes. And our opportunities to help improve the experience lie in the time in the run-up to kickoff, halftime, and figuring out ways to expedite service, and then post-match. Um, you know, just you know, different things. We've, we have live music almost um, pretty much after every Saturday match. Um, in our in our Cardinals bar, and uh, Saturday night we're actually showing the fight um, later on in the evening. So, you know, it's 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 different things in trying to, you know, it, you can't take away what makes English football so special by trying to Americanize it because it doesn't work. Um, I'm sure Ryan and Rob have seen that. Um, because it's just not the same, you know, I've never been to a football match and I've been to, you know, probably 80 before I started working here. Um, it left my seat when there was any, any, any time on the clock. There's, you can't everything. I mean, you, you remember that famous Troy Deeney goal <laughs> from years ago, you know, sure. you get up with 30 seconds, you miss that. You like miss it was, you know, I, I, I left, I went to, uh, I was home a couple of weeks ago and went to the baseball game, the city, I, the team I used to run and baseball. I don't, I mean, you don't, the results aren't that important because there's no reward, no reward for winning your league because the next year you just start in the same league again with different players. So I didn't even notice what inning it was when I left. Um, cause my son was off work. My son filled in and helped out. Um, he texted me and said, I'm ready to go. So I said goodbye to my friends, went down to him and I didn't look at the scoreboard. I don't know what inning it was when I left. All I know is that when I got home and took my dog for a walk, I heard the fireworks from the baseball stadium. So it's, 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 it's different here. You feel it. You feel every point. You feel every 
point dropped. You feel every whit. Um, and being so you know, intrinsically involved with the, the, the culture of the club, the culture of our fans, you know, a loss doesn't end, you know, 20 minutes after the match. And there's some of them, Rex Murray away being one that, you know, I remember just making the ride back um, in total silence. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I just wanted to, you know, go, I just wanted to go home and go to bed or, or sit on my couch and, or, and drink a couple of Bud Lights. Um, but the feeling, the euphoric feeling of victory, especially when everyone looks at you as the little guy, it says, oh, they're not, they're not going to beat anybody. No, all the teams we did that. Yeah, it, it, it's that kind of feeling, knowing what we had to work with versus what, and again, obviously it's not just Wrexham, it's the Chesterfields and Stockports and in these clubs with massive budget. Um, you know, we're the, we're the, We've got to stop thinking of ourselves as little old woke because we're not. Um, we act like it sometimes. He's excited then, Rich. He's looking... I mean, I'm excited. I, I'm confident as well, looking into it. I mean, Woking earlier in the season definitely felt aggrieved. It was interesting there that he said that the journey back was basically in total silence for them because they felt like they were owed a, a last-minute penalty, you know, and, and, and things have changed since then for them. Change of manager. It's now Darren Saal who beat Wrexham with Yeovil earlier in the season when Liam McAlinden gets sent off. Jordan Maguire-Drew is no longer there. Tavon Campbell is no longer there. He's gone into the Football League. So it it's an interesting one. I suppose for Woking, they're not a risk of relegation. They're not in the promotion hunt. For them, it's a it's a big game on TV. Is it a free hit? Yeah, of course it is. And I think that, you know, that's another element of it, isn't it? That we've got to deal with always being the scalp. And that's always the case no matter where we are in the league. But particularly now for a side like Woking who have nothing to lose, then, yeah, of course you want to try and make an impact. You want to try ruin our day. And, again, that's the, our biggest issue it's just complacency, and we've seen that at times this season. Obviously, the Dover games, the the standout one there, where you go two 0 up and then take it for granted, you find yourself five two down. That was an utter capitulation, but hopefully just a one off. Ultimately, it just come down to mentality, and it's going to be interesting as well, Nave, to see if Parky sticks to the same team again. I mean, I I don't know why you'd change it at this point because it's got to the point now where you might as well just play the same team until the end of the season. It's clear that. Parky's got that system and the 11 players who he trusts the most to do it. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one. And like you said, Woking on the TV. We used to always joke, didn't we, that Wrexham on the TV always <laughs> ends badly. But we've had a good few uh, televised matches in the last few weeks. Obviously, that Solihull one was on TV as well. But I think back to that Halifax home hammering. And, yeah, it's just going to be another real test of mentality and just ensuring that we don't get complacent. But yeah. I still would back Wrexham to win. That that Halifax one was probably up there in in terms of the most comprehensive performances I've seen this season. I couldn't get over how dominant we looked against a team that look make no bones about it. Halifax are a very good team, and they beat Chesterfield, I, didn't know, they? They're the a weekend. good team, a very good team. They looked very good in that game against Chesterfield, and I know Chesterfield are, are out of sorts in a way, but they could get Shamanga back in, and who knows? That's that's the hope that that they for them that their hope is that they can get him back. Uh, Halifax are just a very good team. Pete Wilson, a brilliant job there. It, it's, it's it's a lot to look forward to. I mean, Monday we've got the so we've got Woking at the weekend. Monday is a big day in terms of members can buy tickets for the FA Trophy fight. That's right, isn't it, Rich? Monday they can buy them, and Tuesday Weymouth. But but FA Trophy wise, you put out a tweet for us: fourteen thousand tickets gone. It looks like the lower tier there's, there's spares maybe singles and, and the middle tier it looks like at the top tier now that that's where members one per member isn't it i don't know maybe you can fill us in because i'm i'm a little bit lost you're not in a greek car park anymore so you can get a greater sense of what's going on with the ticketing yeah i'm still not entirely sure uh, where we're up to in terms of that all i know is that from monday the members from this season will be able to buy two per account obviously 
that I mean to, to have sold out as many as we have done when it's been such a limited process so far is absolutely mind-boggling and the sort of takeaway from it is that Wrexham have sold 14,000 tickets for the FA Trophy so far and that's at a stage where only season ticket holders have been eligible to buy them of course they've been able to buy four per account holder though so there's going to be plenty of fans who maybe don't have seen tickets or maybe aren't members who will have been catered for already and you can understand why Wrexham did do that because there's been so much outcry at times this season about fans not getting sort of special treatment. And then when they do give season ticket holders special treatment, they face backlash from it again. I mean, Wembley's a bit of an exception, isn't it? Because we've got 29,000 tickets, so they were never going to sell out. It would have been nice for it to maybe be opened up earlier on, but it's still encouraging to see that it will be opened up from Monday the 25th at 9am. You know, there's still going to be that general sale for fans who who don't apply to either of them. But yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction, I think. And look, Rich, I'm sorry to cut you off. I've just got a text through about the National League playoff final. Um, and I know this might already be out elsewhere, but by the time this podcast comes out in Friday morning, it'll definitely be out. But look, National League final will not be at Wembley. I've seen this screenshot going around about potential hospitality packages. It's not at Wembley. Um I, I still think, as far as I'm aware, that it will be going to West Ham, as, as it's already been reported by London football scene, but that's where I think it is. But look, it's not at Wembley. This idea that it's at Wembley is, is, is nonsense. Don't, don't listen to that. And also, it will be, the final will be on the 5th of June. That's what I've been told. Capital letters for W-I-L-L. It will be on the 5th of June. And this might be really unpopular, Rich, and look, I totally respect anyone who disagrees with it, but I... I, I don't feel that the National League can plan their final around the Wales game. Wrexham, and, no. they, Wrexham, have, Wrexham have no guarantee to get to the final. And as much as I know that you know it would be great to, for fans to be able to be at both games, totally understand that, and I will want to watch both games. You also, I don't think you can expect a league to plan around... Look, for for one, putting it in London for a start is not planning around the teams in the playoff hunt, which are going to be Notts County, which are going to be Grimsby, Wrexham, Halifax, Solihull. You know, these teams that are, are in the north, they're not going to be southern teams. So that's one thing. But they're also not going to plan it around so Wrexham fans can also go and watch Wales when Wrexham may not even make the final. Let's just be frank about it. You know what I mean? I know we've kind of cut off the FA Trophy debate a bit here, but just to say that it's not going to be at Wembley and it will be on the 5th of June. Most likely, we're still waiting for confirmation, but most likely at West Ham. But I I don't see... It's going to be unpopular, Rich, I know, but I I don't see that why the National League would plan around a team that aren't even in the final yet. No, exactly. And my complaint isn't with the date necessarily it's just with the venue and I just think West Ham and London like you said considering they know it's, it's at least going to have one northern team sort of Midlands team in it you've got to you've got to put the the venue in the middle of the of the country in, in my opinion if you can do obviously you covered on the last podcast Nave didn't you of why it will be at the London Stadium because of Soccer Aid you know they don't have to relay the pitch they've got events going on anyway I would have liked to have seen it to be held somewhere else in the country somewhere more accessible for fans of, of both teams and like you said, the National League can't just cater for Wrexham. It can't just wait and delay these decisions to see what, what benefits us. And like you said, there's no guarantee we'll get there. And I know that I was accused of arrogance of saying we're going to be in the playoff final. And, <laughs> you know, like you said, it isn't guaranteed. It isn't guaranteed whatsoever. So no I, can't, whatsoever. I can't complain in terms of it having to be on the Sunday the 5th. I would have liked it to be on the Sunday the 4th. But if that's what they've got to do, that's what they've got to do. But the fact that it's at West Ham is never going to be never going to sit right with me. It's just not the right stage in, in terms of location, fan facilities or an experience. Yes, it's London. Yes, it's quite easy for lots of fans to get to. But that doesn't mean it's right and I think that's that's the big mistake on this. But yeah, if we're going to get promoted, to be honest, I don't care where or we're when gonna, it is. We're not I'll be care. there. We're not going to care, but I think the you can point the finger at the National League for many things. I have previously in terms of the broadcast agreement and the inability for clubs to share content goal you know goals match yeah. footage um, that that's a debate i could i could do an entire podcast on there's many things i could point the national league for i honestly you know, i've seen people say it's a, it's a slap in the face it's a 
I, I personally just don't share those frustrations. And I, I, I share the frustration. I don't share the belief that the National League are sort of in contempt or it, it, what if it ends up as, you know, worst case scenario ends up at, I don't know, Halifax and Solihull. Then there's then there's no there's absolutely no clash, is there? But these kind of things won't be known until about a week before. You cannot make a decision a week before where it's going to be venue wise and who's going to be in it and and you know what date it will be on. So it takes a lot to plan a final. Anyway, let's just draw a line to that. Any other business rich then? Because two big games. I'm hoping we can get six points. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other business. So, going on Aaron Hayden's family vlog did surprisingly well on Twitter I think we got like 45,000 views on that but it was I shared that clip didn't I that Aaron Hayden is fine he went off and somebody texted me and said is he injured is he is he all right is he injured and no he's fine very much a precaution he will be in the team no doubt against Woking um yeah Rich we've got to be confident it's amazing though isn't it that he's just not changing it he's got the he's got the winning formula and he's got no desire to change it no exactly yeah um i think that like i said you can you can argue it either way can't you you can either say that you got to stick with the winning formula or you can argue and say well maybe we'll soon get sussed out because teams know exactly what to expect but i'm very much of the opinion that let teams try and suss us out the, the fact of the matter is we've got better players so they still have to yeah. try and stop them. You, you might know what's coming, but you've still got to find a way to stop it. I don't know how you stop Paul Mullen scoring a wonder goal or Jordan Davis whipping in a cross that you weren't expected or Jordan Davis scoring a free kick, for example. Aaron Hayden leaping 20 foot in the air from a corner and heading one in. Like You still can't stop that. So, I mean, fullbacks for me, I've always been saying that maybe a bit of change is, is necessary, but to be fair... Paul Johnson was quite yeah. good, I thought, over the bank holiday. Callum McFadzian, to be fair, he's gone under the ra- radar since he's joined, but he's been so mm. steady and so consistent. And he almost scored a beautiful volley, didn't he, against Solihull? He's, again, really impressive because I hadn't seen much from him because obviously I missed his debut when he got all those assists against Boreham Wood sure, in the FA sure. Trophy. But since then, he's really just solidified that role and you just take it for granted now. He's one of the first uh-huh. names on the team sheet and you don't sort of raise an eyebrow. So I do think that on Saturday, you've just got to go for your strongest team again. Yeah. And then like we saw against Altrincham, hopefully if you've got a two-goal cushion on the hour mark, that's when you make your subs because Hayden, obviously precautionary. And then was it Mullen and Davis came off as well? That's just mm. the right way to do it. And again, fans might not care, but when I was sort of reporting on Man City in my first role at the MEN, I watched... Guardiola's side every week for a season when they won the league and got 100 points and what Guardiola did was just rest players in game so Fernandinho for example they got to the hour mark and they would just drop the tempo and let players rest in game so it's not always about taking players off you can just drop the tempo and make sure they don't have much to do and that's still an effective way to get players sort of back on on track and make sure they're not too overly exerted. Yeah, and I guess finally, just Rich, it was a big, long two-and-a-half-hour meeting, uh, Humphrey Carr with the Guestilt Reds. Um, and I know that, without stealing all their thunder, I know that the fearless lads are going to run through all the kind of bits that they learned from that meeting. But I thought some of the interesting bits that we've had emails about and, and DMs about, one of them which was the scoreboard. Um, scoreboard been out of use in the Rex Rent, above the Rex Rent all season. Finally, the, the, we have the chip. <laughs> we have the we have the the chip. I guess you call it needed to bring that back to life. So the plan apparently is pre-season to to get because I was thinking, how would you install a chip in? I mean, the scoreboard's high. It's not it's not floodlight high, but it it would probably need a. It's precarious. You, yeah, but what would you call cherry that? Cherry picker. Like a, 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 that's what you would call it. A cherry picker. Yeah. So, you, but then also. You'd need to cherry. You need to put the cherry picker on the pitch. Probably damages the pitch. That's why they're leaving it to preseason. I would imagine. Yeah. But anyway, scoreboard is well making is, it return. Yeah, I would. I mean, we can cover this one as well. I think in terms. Of, but what I would have liked to have seen would just be the scoreboard to go sort of on the derelict cop. I know we've got the one in the corner mm. now, but just an, with the, with the time on it rather. But I just I don't see why they didn't sort of just get an LED board sort of on the cop, which could give you the scoreboard. Um, this. Uh, this season and even last season really because 
well, I'm in the tech end, so well, obviously, I was about to say, yeah. Obviously, is it superfluous for me though, to have to have two scoreboards? Is that a bit much? Is it a scoreboard on either <laughs> end? Is that a bit is that a bit much for the fifth division or the fourth division? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's a bit extra, isn't it? But <laughs> you know, we're Wrexham FC, we do what we want. But um, I guess the other thing that we can cover briefly, Nate, like I said, we don't want to steal too much thunder, is on the cop and still yeah, encouraging signs in terms of that. And the news from the club is that they are hopeful that that could be completed in time for the 2023-24 season. Obviously, as we've seen with so many instances at the club this season, sometimes it's about transport issues or things getting lost yeah. or things not, yeah. you know, it, it's out of the club's control quite often. We've heard so many sort of insider stories about why gin deliveries have been delayed or shirts haven't been able to get manufactured in time. Most of the time, it's actually out of the club's hands, isn't it? And they can't do much about it. Chaos. So yeah, chaos. They hope that the cop can be completed by the start of the 2023 season. Obviously, 2023-24, which should be... Well, well, I mean, where will we be then? League One, pushing for the championship? Maybe. <laughs> Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But 2023-24, and that will... I mean, that, that they'll, they'll need to, you would imagine demolish at the end of the season i mean they've done a lot of work in terms of taking the barriers out and i know they've sold quite well i've seen great pictures of people in their gardens with the barrier um but you would think large scale uh kind of demolition would need to start at the end of this season to just give them an entire campaign to get it ready you would think you'd, they'd need the entire 2022 23 campaign to just it's a, it's a mix of things with the cop, isn't it? It's it's funding and just just workload. You know, I remember uh, was it Humphrey that came on told us about the the redevelopment of the Rex rent, and they ended up with the wrong nail, or that they had a yeah. load of nails that didn't work, and and that just delays it by like weeks and weeks. So, look, I'm sure they've learned from that to to build a whole new stand. There's lots of things in there about um sponsors in there and hospitality in there that maybe we'll get into in another another episode but yeah loads of stuff from that meeting with Humphrey it sounded like two and a half hours um... yeah, I think the other thing I was going to just touch upon which I think is fair game Go as well was the impact that sports psychologists have had this season yeah, obviously we heard a really lot about Kwame's re- rehabilitation in terms of just physiotherapy and his own sort of mental well-being and getting him in the right shape to make a return as well and Apparently, it sounds like James Jones is another player who, like we said, his upturn in form has partly been because Oli Palmer has, has come in, but part of it's because he's worked with sports psychologists and he's got, you know, maybe himself in, in a be- better sort of mental frame and maybe understood more so his own role in the team. And, you know, he's had a lot of scrutiny this season, but he's overcome it. And at the moment, he's he's excellent and he's unfortunate not to get a goal against Ultracombe as well, but... It's just been so many steady improvements in terms of the infrastructure of the squad. And we mention this almost weekly, don't we, Nath, that from the off, the club have said it's not just about buying players, but it's about having everything else around them. Because then just as a consequence of being so professional, you'll get the results on the pitch. And I think sort of sports psychology and proper physiotherapy and rehabilitation issues have, have come on leaps and bounds this season already. The ambition is for it to get even better, but we're starting to reap the rewards of investment all over the the club. I don't don't see why you wouldn't have a a sports psychologist in there if you if if you can afford to do so. Which look years gone by that a sports psychologist on the staff would have been a pipe dream. And I'm not saying you know that that we've got a sports psychologist there every day, but I think for example, if you look at a player like James Jones who found it tough you know was was it's already out there isn't it that he was battling long covid um so struggling in terms of his fitness and health has overcome that but there's also the mental barrier that look you're a league one player who wasn't able to fulfill his potential at the start of the season now he's looking like a duracell bunny in there that he never stops running and and, he, and he's getting the plaudits he deserves but i think if you've got the ability to have a sports psychologist 100% I, I, that would be that a nutritionist you know strength and conditioning if you put enough pillars in place you'll be able to build something really special and and you need players that can utilize it and and grow with it but look there, there's a lot to be hopeful about and and I don't know come the playoffs I would I would not be surprised if there was you know a psychologist just speaking to the players before a massive playoff final if, if it came to that because why not it's it's 
train professionals like that can only be a good they can only benefit players rather than hinder them so i'm all for it all these i spoke to owen jackson recently who leads the strength and conditioning coaching team and yeah all the stuff that's been put in place and the improvements that are being made just sounds yeah the club has never looked more positive in in especially well almost definitely in the non-league era but it go beyond that it's never felt more positive i think than it does right now yeah, and again, sorry for bringing up my, my, my day job here, but speaking on sports psychologist, I remember, and I've got the quote up here, when Ralph Ranjik came to United, he brought Sasha Lons with him, who is a sports psychologist. He's the first one United, Man United have ever had. And this was the quote from Ralph Ranjik on explaining it. He said, For me, it's only a question of logic. If you have special coaches for goalkeeping, for physical and education, even for strikers, for fitness, you should also have an expert for the brain. It's not so much holding their hands and putting them on the white sofa, but it's just helping the players and helping the brain assist the body and not working against it. And yeah, like I said, it's just a part of modern football. You've got to be able to treat players as more than just, you know, sort of mercenaries. They're human beings at the end of the day and they need to be in the best state to perform well on the pitch. And for Wrexham, that's working and, and long may it continue. Naif, you're going to have a very exciting weekend then. Woking on Saturday, Weymouth on Tuesday night. Are you feeling as optimistic as me? I'm feeling like six points on the horizon. I feel like I'm going to have a, some very late nights. Um, I'm sure there'll be a Twitter space after one of those that I'll have to do. But yeah, I'm optimistic, Rich. I, really now, there's no game for me now between now and the end of the season where there's a massive sense of jeopardy. You know, I feel like we're already. I feel like we will get that second or third spot. I feel like we'll get second, to be honest. And um, I, I've, I've much, I've long made my peace with that. So for me, I'm, I'm going into every game, enjoying it, looking forward to it. For me, it, we're, we're a very, very good team that just has to keep going out and, and doing the business, which we are. So, yeah, six points. I'm gonna go three-one against Woking, and I will go. I'll go more conservative 2-0 on the road on Tuesday night away at uh, Weymouth. I'm going 2-0 at Woking and then 4-0 at, w- at Weymouth, just because why not? We, we're we're doing another one of those massive away days. And yeah, like you said, we're going into the end of the season, not fearing the playoffs, sort of appreciating them. And like you said, on terms of them, it's going to happen. We're not going to go into the playoffs saying, oh, we've missed out on the league title. The whole world's against us. It's a different sort of ethos this time around. And yeah, like you said, we've made peace of it. Hopefully we do have a dilemma of whether to watch Wrexham or Wales on the 5th of June, but we will be with you every step of the way up until then. Like Nave said, you can always get in contact with us at Rob Ryan Red on Twitter or robryanred at gmail.com. We will be back next week to look back on Woking and Weymouth. Hopefully it's two W's to go along with it. Nate, thank you very much for joining us on Rob Brown Red. Thank you very much for listening, whatever you may be. Back to the boys, make some noise. We'll see you again next time. Here ga, next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.